0: You're listening to The Fallout with Joey Semmel and Drew Gillis. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of The Fallout. Joey Semmel and Drew Gillis, super excited to bring you more sports content. What's up, guys? I want to talk about... On the podcast we were talking about just before, um, we had first take on earlier today, and we have some thoughts about some of the ESPN personalities <laughs> that we like or don't like. I'll let you
1: lead off. I find it really hard to ever listen to anything Dominique Foxworth has to say. I like
0: him. I really can't listen. I like, like him.
1: I don't know if it's the way he talks, but like nothing sounds interesting. I think everything kind of sounds like this, and then he makes a point. I think he and makes, makes a little good pause points, here. Though. And then he starts talking about his next point, and everything kind of comes across like that. Also, I, like Stephen A. Smith, please come back. Thankfully, he, he, he did. Thankfully, he did. But like, holy moly, that was tough. Tough to watch that show without Stephen A.
0: I'll tell you, yeah, I got one. So I think we both agree we like Max Kellerman,
1: yes. Which is
0: apparently a hot take. I know. I don't, I I don't know. Get that I, I think he's really good, and I I, I, obviously, we love Stephen A. But <laughs> I am gonna go with someone who Max Kellerman very clearly hates. And they have a hard time hiding it on camera. I can't stand Dan (laughs) Orlovsky. I just, so I should have known that was coming. It's interesting, right? Because he's very well spoken and he, he's, he puts together these good arguments, but then when he, he just, he picks something and he stands his ground. He doesn't listen to anyone else. And I guess they, sounds like you seriously, but but (laughs) I I, I guess they all kind of do that. But like, think about it. Right. So like, when he sits there and says Carson Wentz is a top five quarterback in the NFL, and he he might be the best quarterback in the NFL, like come on. Has bro. he actually said that? I he feel said, like he hasn't
1: said that in the past six months. He
0: said stuff close to that last season. Oh, stuff close like, to that. Like, <laughs>
1: I mean, I know he's a Carson Wentz fanboy, but like, I don't really blame him. Like Carson Wentz was just two seasons ago when he was healthy, really, really good. Then spent most of last season kind of, sort of rehabbing from a bad injury. Like I, I hear the points. Granted, I was talking with a friend about this the other day. In the NFL, two years is like a long a time. That's a time. long time. I mean, if, if counting you're, on him being MVP caliber again it's is ridiculous. kind of a fucking joke. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So,
0: so I don't understand the Eagles hype. I, I really don't. Especially now that Brandon Brooks is out for the year. Um, I just I understand they added a receiver and a linebacker and they filled some holes. Uh, Darius Slay, but you look at the subtractions so much more than the additions. You're right. And, you're and right. I just I, I I don't buy it. You know. Colin Coward, speaking of personalities, just to circle back, did a list, and he put Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz as the second best quarterback head coach combo in the NFL, right behind Andy Reid and Patrick Mons, and ahead of Harbaugh and Jackson, and ahead of Breeze and Peyton. And I know
1: Drew Breeze, Kind of a douche, all right, but it's not just that. It's the fact that they've been together how many years now and have one 14. ring to show for it. But, I just want to say that's not that big of an accomplishment. You have a clear-cut you, Hall of Fame you quarterback.
0: Know, you, you say that, but like so many one ring quarterbacks. I, I,
1: that, a lot of chokes.
0: That, that's that's one of the things that I don't understand about you. You he only has one ring. You know how many guys would kill to have? We're one We're talking ring? about
1: an all-time great quarterback. Do I say how, the same okay. thing about Aaron Rodgers how, and Mike how, McCarthy? How, how many?
0: How many does Matt Ryan have? <laughs> okay, all right. But we got to move on because we have a new segment that I know we're both pretty excited about.
1: Yeah, definitely. We wanted to add something that we feel like we both love into the show.
0: And so what that thing is, is we're, each week we're going to have a trivia question. Love it. Um, so we'll offer it at the beginning of the show. We're going to alternate who asks and who answers. And so you're going to get our original reaction and first guess to the trivia question. So the question for this week that I'm about to ask Drew, he's
1: never heard before. Are you nervous? I know it's going to be hard. I know they're going to be hard every week. We're huge nerds about this. That's
0: how we do it. Okay, so the first question that I'm going to ask you, it's on topic. We were actually just talking about it, and I don't know how I did that, but I did. (laughs) So you ready? Yeah. No, but yeah. How many coaches in the history of the NFL have multiple Super Bowl wins? Because you love to talk about he only has one Super Bowl win.
1: Well, I know it's not McCarthy. <laughs> True. I know it's not McCarthy. I know it's not Peyton. I know it's not Doug Peterson. We can cross all those off yep. the list. Um, wow, that's a good question. You don't have to name them. Just give me a number. Yeah, I'm try- well, I got to think through them a little bit. I mean, Belichick, Tomlin. Not Dungy. Wow, this is a good question. The more I think Isn't about it? it. I will guess, just because I got to throw in a couple guys that I'm assuming are from like the 70s or the 80s. I'll throw in, I'll say six. How's six for a number? Would you say that's a pretty good number?
0: We'll find out. Won't Do we? I have
1: to name them? I feel like you should name some of them.
0: At the end, I'll give you a chance to name them. Okay. when you have had some time to think about it. All right. So we'll get to the answer to that trivia question later, but before we do, we have an action-packed show for you guys. Uh, We're going to start things off with a discussion about the MLB, its ongoing labor discussions, and just what a shit show the whole thing is. At Rob Manfred. Seriously. Um, And then we're going to have a timeout where we discuss Colin Kaepernick and his potential future, not only in but with the NFL. Um, and then we'll ha- we have our standout guest, Daniel Albritton. He's a pitcher at Elon University, teammate of both of ours, a uh, classmate of mine for 13 years, so a great friend of the program. And I know he listens every week, too.
1: Love you, D. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for that. So he's Shout one of- <laughs> out.
0: <laughs> um, and then we'll close things out with-, with continuing our discussion with the NFL divisions. And this week we have the South. So I want to jump in with the rollout, and we're going to talk about the MLB and the ongoing labor discussions between the owners and the players on a potential, hopefully, 2020 coronavirus-impacted season. And I don't really know what more intro to do with that, so you want to say it together?
1: Yeah, let's do it. Fuck Fuck Rob Manfred. Manfred. Fuck the guy. Absolutely fuck the guy. I was talking to a good friend the other day, not a huge baseball fan, but definitely follows the sport, and he says... At this point, I don't even look at the MLB headlines because it's stupid news every day. I know that neither side will come together and it's Rob Manfred's fault and that's all I need to know about baseball. I will move on to the next sport now. That's what he said. I was like, okay, yeah, we're losing people now and they're almost losing me. Baseball's my favorite sport. They're losing me. Fuck the MLB right now. The story is
0: simple, right? The owners and the players cannot agree on a contract. The owners are being greedy and the players aren't standing for it. It's that simple. The owners want to pay the players uh, instead of their prorated salary, so if they play 80%, 80% of the games, they'll get 80% of the salary. 50% of the games, they'll get 50% of the salary. Um, they want to take money on top of that. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it, The timing of it, and usually I'd toss it to you and let you go first. Yeah, you're just too pissed. I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go. <laughs> Did you see the deal that the MLB signed with Turner Sports the other day? Yes. They signed a... 1 billion billion with a b dollar deal to keep the playoff series on TBS. Yeah. For one series, 1 billion dollars. 1 billion dollars and we can't find the money to pay the players what they're actually owed. All right? So, I just it worries me, right? You know, we we saw the documentary this Sunday about long gone summer and how 98 saved baseball because of the Maguire-Sosa thing, and how the world stopped and it revolved around baseball, right? It took a perfect storm for that to happen. Attend After the lockout in 94, attendance went down. Viewership went down. Everything went down. It was not looking good for baseball. And it took the perfect storm of having that home run race in the second greatest rivalry in the sport, Cubs-Cardinals, and having the Yankees playing in the World Series that year. And I, I know I'm a Yankee fan, but... You can't deny when the Yankees are good, it helps baseball biggest market. It's that simple.
1: Hey, I also want to point out the Braves were in the World Series that year too. Nobody cares, ah! right? So, so, so the, the
0: point <laughs> the point is it took a perfect storm of things. And the forgotten piece of that is not only did Maguire and Sosa save at 98, you know what they did in 99? It was 65-63, yep. Maguire and Sosa, right? Yep. So it took a perfect storm of things to save the sport the first time. Drew, I'm looking ahead What's going to save it this time?
1: Here's what I see in modern MLB. Baseball's my favorite sport, and I fucking hate the MLB. I hate, I hate the it. MLB. It's ridiculous. I hate them. Like, the, I, It's by far the worst league in sports right now, which is a tragedy. By far the worst league in sports. They have by far the worst commissioner in sports because the commissioner is always the face of the owners in like every league. But some, some commissioners take it upon themselves to have their own agenda as well. Look at you, Adam Silver. And some, yeah, some actually take it upon <laughs> themselves to gain some trust and respect from the players in their own league. And Manfred, this might be the first time he's spoken to any of the players directly, like, ever. We're, we're not really sure. But this is how he's doing it. This is, uh, he's literally coming to the players, and every single time he's just being like, Well, this is what the owners want. That's all he says back to the players. That's literally it. He doesn't say anything else.
0: And what gets me, too, is the changing stories, right? Like, he sits there and he says, the owners want a season. The owners want a season. What comes out, apparently six to eight owners don't even want a season. The owners are not motivated to get a deal done. Rob Manfred is not motivated to get a deal done. It's a joke. So don't sit there and lie and tell us that they are and that there's 100% going to be a is. baseball season, and then walk it back five days later. And Don't why did he walk it back? This is that. the
1: important part. Why did he walk it back? It's a negotiating tactic. Yeah, it's literally just to shame the players and to guilt them and into he, signing And he tried the to contract. blame them, and, too. And they agreed to something. Like, he said, I'm going to mandate this, and the players said, tell us when and where. And then he said, oh, yeah, well, also, we need you to do one other thing. Like, he always comes back with one extra thing because the owners come crying to him, and he won't stand up for himself. He won't stand up for baseball. And it's a that's joke. his job. He's terrible. That's
0: his job. His job is to work on the image of the league, right? I'm going to use the NBA because I think they've had the best owner in uh, our best commissioner in sports since uh, David Stern took it's over. True, right? And that was a long time ago. I don't know off the top of my head, but it was a long, long time, long time
1: ago. And what did
0: David Stern do? He made the NBA into what it is with the image, not only here but overseas. He did that and then he passed it to Silver and Silver's done an awesome job not only keeping that going but also creating an even better relationship with the players. Yes, There's a reason that went off without a hitch, right? There's a reason when they tried to get it approved, it was 29-1 to 1, and the Blazers felt comfortable being the one because they knew the other 29 teams were going to say yes. And then there's a reason when it passed to the players, and it was almost unanimous, right? Yep. And I understand we're getting a little bit pushback now, but no, the deal went through easy. You look at baseball, man, and, and, and they have these faces. They have these guys who could totally carry the sport with their face. Trout, Judge, and I want to point this out about Trout and Judge. Where are they playing? Where do the two of them play? Yeah, right? The two biggest markets in America. Yes. And yet, Rob Manfred still can't figure out how to market them. What's, what's amazing, though, is that he just continues to, like, dig himself a hole and he doesn't like. There's no way out, right? So, I'm about to do this. You, we you, you talked about the NBA. You want to know another organization also much better ran than the MLB? It's the WNBA.
1: <laughs> Good job, WNBA. They nailed it.
0: They <laughs> plain and simple nailed it. All right. So, so, as the owners and players sit here and argue over the amount of games that are going to be played and how much they're going to be paid per game, want to hear what the WBA WNBA owners did? So they usually have a 36-game season, right? they dropping it down to 22 this year. They're paying the players for the full 36. But also, they're paying the players, they gave the players an opt-out clause where they can say, I don't want to play because I'm worried about coronavirus. And there's still, those players who choose to do that are still going to get paid for 36
1: games. But wait, why aren't, I thought the owners would start and, crying and, if well, that
0: happened. And are you going to sit here and tell me that the WNBA is more profitable than Major League Baseball? Because it's not. It's just not.
1: But Joey, the MLB owners are really poor, and they're losing a lot of money this year. It's so, really hard for
0: them. So we can't sit here and bash the players, and it just it doesn't make sense. It's so on the owners. It's so on Manfred to come here and get a deal done. Because what's going to save baseball this time? And by the way... There's a chance there aren't fans in the seats until 2023, right? Because we have no 2020 season or a coronavirus-impacted 2020 season. Same with 2021. You know what's looming in 2022? Another lockout. Another lockout. What's going to save them this time?
1: I mean, realistically, I don't think anything. I, I really don't think there's anything that will save baseball. You, you can say that the, the sosa McGuire home run race saved baseball and I think it had a big impact but baseball it, it
0: took the perfect storm though it', it took, took the, the Yankees perfect storm like being good at the same time but too. also
1: that would they lost half a season and a World Series not even half a season less than half a season and a World Series and came back the next year and played I mean we might lose two and a half years of baseball in this at, at the very least a full season yep more than likely a season and a half, or two seasons because of the lockout, and very possibly because of coronavirus next season as well, you could lose three seasons in a row. Yep. And the reason we're losing this season, baseball's a summer sport. It's the sport of summer. The boys of summer are not playing because billionaire owners can't handle losing a couple million. And that's really what it comes down to. I've been saying from the beginning, and I kind of regret this, I've been saying from the beginning, like, Yes, it's the owner's fault, but the players need to come to the table more? No, fuck that. No, no I disagree you with my own stance. I told you now. you were wrong. That's from the start. stupid. That's dumb. <laughs> because how much are the players making? A few million. How much are the owners complaining about losing? A few million. How much do the owners have? Billions. They have billions. They have
0: and, billions and, and billions of dollars. Hey, I, I want to close with this cuz we're dragging on a little bit. But the notion that baseball is a dying sport, it's wrong, right? Television viewer numbers, they go up, plain and simple. They've gone up. They peaked when the Cubs were in the World Series, but that makes sense. That
1: was a crazy um, World Series, too. Right, One of the best right. of all time. So
0: that makes sense, but they're still high and they're still double, triple hockeys depending on the game in the round. So baseball is not dying, and, and that's not the notion, but they are trying to kill themselves. Yes. Like they are shooting themselves in the foot over and over and over again, and they've done it for 25 years and they continue to do it, and I don't know what's going to save them this time. And
1: it should be part of Manfred's agenda as commissioner of the sport to help the sport stay relevant and to give it the prominence that it needs. And what he's doing right now is none of that. He's only serving the owner's purpose, and it's a joke. It's an absolute joke. Even with the lowest attendance in Major
0: League Baseball, buying the Miami Marlins cost Derek Jeter $1.2 billion. The owners have plenty of money to pay to players. So now it's time for our timeout. And this week we're going to be discussing Colin Kaepernick and his potential return in the NFL. Um, Roger Goodell had some comments this week, and I know you have some thoughts on them about a potential return for Kaepernick. Um, so go right ahead, T. I, to I just
1: it. I just think it's funny that Goodell mentioned every single thing he possibly could to Kaepernick and about Kaepernick, except for I'm sorry. And here's why he needs an apology. Colin Kaepernick in his last season in the pros. Went 1-10 as a quarterback, but was given a terrible team. He had a completion percentage hovering right around 60%, 16 touchdowns, 4 interceptions. Like, that's a good season. Hang on a second. I want to get to his running stats, too. Like, he, this guy deserved to be in the league. I just want to put it like that. His running stats, though. Dude has 69 rushing attempts. Nice. For 468 yards with 2 touchdowns, that's 6.8 yards per attempt. Now, if you're giving me that from any player on the field, I'm happy. That's right. awesome. You, you know, and the good stats all around. They're they're he, good stats. He took his
0: team to the Super Bowl.
1: Not that year, but yes. a, a, a
0: couple years before that. Yes. So like this is a starter in the NFL when he retired. Um I wanna ask you, do you think now, four years later, four years removed from his last NFL game, he has any chance of being signed?
1: Yes. He will be signed. I, I think one hundred percent he will be signed. Whether or not he will play a game is different. But in, on the flip side of when this was a PR nightmare for teams, when he was a PR nightmare for teams and they did not want to pick him up, this is now the opposite. If a team picks him up, it is like a PR dream.
0: So, so part But I these... think
1: that might be all it's about, unfortunately. We, right. I have right. yet to see at all how he can play on a field. And like we said earlier, two years in the NFL is a long time. Four years? I mean, we have no idea what we're going to get from Kaepernick. Literally, like, no idea.
0: So you just named all the reasons why I don't think he'll be signed, and I want to preface this by saying, in the moment, four years ago, I was saying this guy is a quality starter in the NFL, maybe even an above-average starter in the NFL, and I still think that he was four years ago. But four years is a long time to be removed from anything, especially a game like football. Um, So I, I question if... Um, he will be himself when he comes back, but I hope he is, and I I hope he does get a chance to come back. Either way, I think the NFL is at an interesting point, right? I mean, it's a league that's 70% black. So you got a guy like Kaepernick who provides such a voice for that body. If you're not going to get him on the field, on a team, and be able to use his voice that way, then there's an opportunity for Goodell to, even if he doesn't say the words, I'm sorry, to get him on, in a role with the NFL working on diversity and working on race? Like, why isn't he in those discussions about a potential change to the Rooney role?
1: He will be, and soon, I think he will be in those talks, like in the NFL, working for the NFL, in those talks very soon. However, I think he's going to give this a shot first. I I think he he, should. I mean, he's been trying. You can argue how hard he's really been trying or if it's just been like PR moves for him. But he's been trying to get into the league now for the past four years. And there are teams that have fits for him, like, without a doubt. The Chargers, the Bears before they got Foles. Like, that was a move they did before all this went down. But without Foles, they're looking at a guy like Kaepernick, too. Well, and, like, and, and Kaepernick, if he has, like, sort of a lucky season, can take a team like the Bears to the playoffs. That might be worth a flyer for them, even with Foles. There, there are teams that make sense. If he doesn't play, I think it will be his choice because he doesn't want to go in and fail and lose somewhat of a name for himself. I think it will be his choice. There are teams that are willing and will want to sign him, whether it be for PR reasons or because let's take a flyer and see if we can bust into the playoffs. Luckily, there are teams that could do that.
0: And it's interesting because you look at a guy like Cam Newton, who's also unsigned. I don't understand how anyone can sit here and say that there's not a a race problem in the NFL, um, because just look at the two guys we just named. I mean, you just named Kaepernick's stats. Cam Newton's a couple years removed from one of the better seasons of his career. Um, They're for 24 touchdowns and 13 interceptions and had a completion rate of 68%. Like, Hey, the guy can still play in the NFL, and it, it's, it's amazing and so indicative of the NFL that these guys like Nick Foles, like Josh McCown, continue to stick around and get these opportunities to be backup quarterbacks. Ryan Fitzpatrick's another one, um, and guys like Cam Newton and Colin Kaepernick don't get to do that. And where that creates an issue is, think about who becomes head coaches in the NFL. It's backup quarterbacks. It's backup quarterbacks. So if you cut off the pipeline right here, right now, then you're in a never-ending loop of a a lack of diversity at the two most important positions, arguably quarterback and head coach, in professional sports.
1: People get caught up about the fact that Cam Newton, you can argue, should not be an NFL starter. Now, he could be for a pretty low-level team, but so can Fitzpatrick. Point being... If Cam Newton goes into free agency and says, I will play as a backup for a good team or a starter for a bad team, he should definitely, he's definitely at least in the same class as Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, as a Falcons fan... He's
0: above it, I'd argue, if you add in the leg.
1: As a Falcons fan, I'm laughing at Cam Newton every time he comes on the field the past two or three years because his stats show that he's pretty good, but like he's one of the more inconsistent quarterbacks I've ever watched. You can see him throw five yards above a receiver like multiple times in one drive. And yet, you can also see him make some of the best throws you've ever seen. And at the same time, his legs are kind of gone, but you can still see him run for a 25-yard run. Like so it, The, the dude has a backup ability, at least. And the fact that he's not included in those conversations is, I think, clearly a problem with race. And, you
0: know, you look at the issue with that. It was it was on ESPN did a special year of the black quarterback um, on, on their network right at the beginning of the pandemic. And um, they talked about it. Black quarterbacks can't be mediocre. Right, Either you got to be the best or you're, you're out of luck. And Cam Newton and Colin Kaepernick are so indicative of that. Adrian Peterson, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, and Texans coach Bill O'Brien are among the NFL figures who said they plan to kneel this coming season. So now it's time to bring in our standout guest for this week, Daniel Albritton. He's a pitcher at Elon University. He was a teammate of ours. There's a really funny picture, if you go back and find it, of all like six foot six of him and all like five foot six of me playing. He was playing shortstop, I was playing second, and we're standing next to each other during a pitching
1: change. Get that six six shortstop. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> but
0: um he eventually made his way over to pitcher, uh, probably where he belongs yeah. with that height. Um, and now he worked his way up to walking on at Elon. Um and he's the first walk on we've had, so he has some pretty cool stories mm-hmm. for that. So let's jump in. Daniel, thank you for joining us. Um, take us through the recruiting process. I know you ended up walking on. Was that always your plan? And when did Elon enter the fold?
2: Yeah, guys. Uh thanks for having me. It wasn't always the plan to be a walk-on, obviously, but it just kind of fit. Um, it ended up being the right school, and the offers that I wanted didn't really didn't really end up coming through. Um, so I applied to Elon as a regular student, got in, um, and I did have some contact with the coaches prior to arriving on campus. Um, so it's not like they didn't know who I was. And then thankfully, they just gave me an opportunity. Um, I threw a bullpen on like a random Wednesday night. It was like 9.30, but I ended up throwing one of the better bullpens of my life. So I bet that helped.
0: So what's it? What's the feeling like when you're not getting the offers that you want to get um, when you're going through that recruiting process? How hard is it to keep pushing, keep working hard, and keep getting better as a pitcher?
2: Um, I mean, it's definitely frustrating, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. You just got to keep working. And if you can play, you're going to end up somewhere that wants you to play for them. So yeah, it is frustrating, but it also makes you work that much harder at the end of the day.
1: Percentage-wise, what do you think your odds were, like, before you made the team immediately on, what would you say your odds were of making the team?
2: What did I think they were,
1: or yeah. what were they actually? <laughs> Why not both?
2: <laughs> um, well, I thought they were a lot lower than they were, because after I tried out, I didn't hear from them for, like, a week, but I had a couple classes with players who were like, yo, you're the guy that threw the bullpen the other day, like, I heard you were kind of nasty. <laughs> so... So I guess the odds were a little bit higher than I thought they were.
0: Did you throw the splitter in the bullpen? I have to ask.
2: I'll be honest. I did not. <laughs> um, but I did throw it once I made the team. <laughs> and I was told to never throw that again in my life.
0: <laughs> so what's it like making that jump from high school to college, both in skill level and Work
2: ethic? Work ethic? I'm not sure how noticeable it was because with Crozier, we always had pretty tough practices um, at Potomac. Um, but the biggest difference to me was like in inner squads, when you're facing every single batter and one through nine, everybody can hit. It's not like in high school where you get through the first four and you just got to throw the ball down the middle and five through nine will get themselves out.
0: That was me in case anyone listening was wondering. <laughs> I mean, don't worry. He's, he's not talk, he's both
1: of it. us. <laughs> Did it, did it help when you decided to grow like a foot at a time? Like when you became six, seven, what was that boost? Like what, how did that help your advantage pitching, uh, both in high school and college? Cause I don't know when your growth spurt was, but one time I looked at you and I realized this guy's a giant. So can you just describe that a little bit?
2: Well, I wasn't, I guess I wasn't always six, six, like when the three of us played together for the, uh, the momentum, <laughs> I was not exactly as large as I am now. Um, but it was kind of gradual. So. So, I never like sat down and was like, whoa, I'm really tall. I need to pitch like I'm really tall because I gained like, I don't know, an inch and a half each year of high school. So, it was gradual.
0: How about the velocity jump when you went from high school to college? Uh, what's that been like to see it jump?
2: That's been super fun, honestly. But that's come, I attribute most of it to, to the weight room because in high school, you kind of just do your own thing. I mean, we would have team lists every so often. Um, But then when you get to college, it's four times a week, every week. So that's definitely really helped. Also, the consistency with throwing. Like I said, in high school, we threw three, maybe four times a week. Um, But in college, you're throwing six or seven. So in high school, I was mid to upper 80s. Ah, That's not true. I would say mid 80s. But then in college, I'm upper 80s to 90s, but um, occasionally run it up through the 90s, 93, 94
1: So since getting to Elon, you've now played with some guys that have been drafted in the first round of the MLB draft. Uh, Playing with them, what's it like learning from those guys and watching them get to work every day on the field and off the field?
2: It's fantastic. So the first rounder was George Kirby. got drafted by the Mariners last year, and that dude worked so hard. But at the same time, you couldn't tell because when he threw his bullpens, he would be mid to upper 90s, but it was effortless. But at the end of the day, he did work really hard. And then the other guy is Ty Adcock, who also got drafted by the Mariners. Little different story with him. He's a freak athlete. I just remember one day I was throwing a bullpen, and I was feeling good. Like, I was sitting in the 90s. I was feeling good. And this man stepped up onto the mound and threw the first slider of his life at 92. <laughs> and it was, it was absurd. But yeah, it's been super awesome because both of those guys are really great guys. Um, also, Kyle Bernovich, They're all really good guys, and they're they're willing to show you some tricks, some tips, whatever's helped them um, get to that elite level.
0: So what was it like having this season shortened um, due to coronavirus?
2: Um, it was crazy. They had told us we were going home for two weeks. Uh, we had a team meeting. They're like, all right, well, in two weeks, conference play starts. Don't worry about it. We'll be back. We're playing Delaware, I think it was, in two weeks. Let's just be ready. And then not four hours later, uh, we see on Twitter that the NCAA season has been canceled. Um, So it didn't even come from our coach. It didn't come from the administration. It came from a tweet. So it was was sad, but luckily they did give that extra year of eligibility back. So some of those seniors are going to get to come back.
0: Are you going to use that extra year as well or no?
2: It depends where my baseball career goes. As of right now, probably not. So, so what's the thought process
0: there? Is it just where wherever you are, you got to make the decision in the moment? And is there a deadline for that? I don't even know.
2: No. So you can you can register to get your red shirt, and then you'll just need to know by by when you want to come back the next year for school. It's a bigger deal, like telling your coach you want to come back, because they have those those roster spots. And I mean, you can come back, but is it really worth coming back if they've recruited a whole nother class and now there's 45 guys on right. the team?
0: And so last question here. How much do you miss McLean uh, House Basketball?
2: Dude, I miss <laughs> McLean Rec League Basketball more than anything. <laughs> like when I tell you I want to play that so bad, I need to get back.
0: I will. I will never forget you dunking on those two kids at the same time like, like both of them at one time do you remember that the kid yeah, just was, ran, ran down the floor and laid down
2: well that was also one week after you threw me a half-court alley yeah, behind the head <laughs> and i had no idea where i was in space but thankfully i just <laughs> threw it in the rim. that, that was it was it, it was, was just... nasty the commissioner's jaw was on the floor <laughs>
0: It was always fun playing those games with you because I knew if I threw it like anywhere high, like you'd be able to get it. Like it was, it was so easy, <laughs> but
2: that was a super fun two years for sure. That was
1: awesome. Thanks yeah. For thanks for dude. It.
2: Appreciate it, man. I love it. See you guys.
0: See ya. And thanks for listening too. Cause... Yeah, dude. Every week. <laughs> I appreciate that, it. That's it's different. <laughs> that's unique. <laughs> that's sick.
1: I love it. Uh, we appreciate that for sure. Man, I can't imagine playing baseball with a first round pick. I know I got drilled by a guy that threw 93 one time, but I don't know if he got drafted. I have no idea. That's got to be fun, though.
0: Well, you know, I played with a first round pick in the McLean House League. And in fact, it was Daniel. (laughs) (laughs) He, like, those leagues were so fun. And our team was fun, but it was fun because Daniel would score 35 points every game. Like, it was, it
1: was, it was easy for him, too. And, um, I had to play defense on him once. That wasn't fun. I will just say, that was, he didn't dunk on me. He did not dunk on Drew Gillis, but it wasn't fun.
0: It's probably because we were playing in one of the gyms where he wasn't allowed to dunk. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, they made the rule. <laughs> yeah, right. So they
1: made the, the Daniel
0: Albritton rule, but no, no that, that was a rule before. <laughs> but I miss those leagues. <laughs> in NCAA Division One sports, 46% of the players are walk-ons. So now it's time to duke it out, and we're going to continue with our coverage of the NFL divisions, and today we have the South, both the AFC and the NFC. Drew, where do you want to start?
1: Let's start NFC, my favorite. This is Falcons' division all the way. Falcons are going to go 16-0. and <laughs> Yeah, Falcons will not win the division, but I do have Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, Bruce Arians, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going 12-4, and leading the NFC South this year. I'm really excited to see what they can do in a division that honestly has lost a lot of talent over the last couple of years. Um, I also have, obviously, it's as much as I hate to say this, though. I have the Saints right up there at 11-5, and five, one game behind the Bucks. It'll be a close finish up there, a fun race, I think, for the division lead. And then, and then... Falcons 6-10, and ten, you guys suck. You ruined Matt Ryan and Julio Jones' primes. Good job. It's funny that both our teams just absolutely continue to God, be terrible. They're terrible. Continue. And do we, should we mention the Panthers?
0: <laughs> I mean, we, we both have them at 2-14, and 14, so <laughs> let's save that. All right. Nothing more needs to be said All except right. for poor Christian McCaffrey.
1: Give me your thoughts on Tom Brady and the Bucks, though. I'd love to hear what you got to say.
0: You said you have them at 12-4? and four?
1: I also have them at twelve and four. Okay,
0: but they're respect, second. They're respect. they're second in the division, behind the Saints. I
1: thought you were going to say the Falcons for a second. <laughs> <laughs> nah,
0: uh, Falcons are five and eleven. But be, behind <laughs> <laughs> behind the Saints, who go fourteen and two. Fuck my life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Saints go fourteen and two. I mean, I challenge you to look at this roster and find a hole, because there aren't any on either side of the ball. I mean. You have Michael Thomas and Drew Brees. Drew Brees... Wow, you kicked it
1: off with my two least favorite players in the league. I did that on purpose. did that on
0: purpose. Michael Thomas has led the league in catches two years in a row. Last year, he set a record for it. Drew Brees, for whatever reason, there's this notion that Drew Brees is getting worse. He's not. (laughs) Quite simply... true. (laughs) Quite simply, he's not. Drew Brees' last two years in only 26 games, 59 touchdowns and 9 interceptions. I mean... What more can you ask from a quarterback? And then you have Michael Thomas. But then they got better, too. Because then they added Emmanuel Sanders. They kept Jared Cook. They lost Ted Ginn, but it's Ted Ginn. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then on the on the defensive side of the ball, they still have Marshawn Lattimore. They still have Cam Jordan. They still have Demario Davis. They, uh, they have Kiko Alonso. And they added Malcolm Jenkins. Malcolm Jenkins. I, I mean, there's not a single hole in this roster.
1: You're right. They have no holes in their roster. It's frustrating, definitely. Um, I mean, at the top of this division, it's going to be a fun race. So I think that's going to play into it. I got the Bucks going better in the division, five and one. Saints four and two in the division. So that's that's kind of part of it. But I want to go off here on Drew Brees, the the racist quarterback that you gave no acknowledgement to. Uh, not only is he racist, he also scams people out of their money in multi level marketing schemes with pseudoscience. Thank you, Drew Brees. Uh, I love this team. Bounty Gate, you name it. Uh, Michael Thomas going to Twitter to decide that he wants to absolutely rail on Devontae Parker, who had a career year last year and, like, deserves some credit. I don't know why Michael Thomas has to be, like, quote-unquote, the bigger guy in his opinion, but just going on railing on guys that don't deserve it on Twitter. Then you got uh, their their whole defense. They were second in the league last year in pass interferences defensively, first in the league in 2018, and Marshawn Lattimore is why. He has so many plays that should go called that don't, and they would lead the league by 20 million Wah. if they all got called. Wah. Fuck you. Wah. Fuck the Saints. This um, team sucks. So I I, <laughs>
0: I missed the point in history where we decided we were going to judge football players by their character um, on, well, for how they well, play on the field. Well, well everyone's I, I judging Drew Brees right well, now, so apparently you're not it. listening to sports. He deserves it. My, my point is that does not change how he plays on the field. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It, like – I hate the guy now. I do. I do. And Michael Thomas, kind of a diva, all right? Kind of. I just don't think it changes anything for how they play on the field because, you know, we've talked about it, and so many people have talked about it over the last couple of weeks. You get guys in a locker room going for that common goal, you put your political opinions aside, even, even if, if that's can. not the answer. And, Let's and, and see that's, if their players and, can. And, and that's Kyrie Irving's whole argument, which is a whole nother segment we'll do sometime. You hate the Saints because you're a Falcons fan, but I mean you said it yourself. There's not a hole in this roster. There's not. And and frankly, if something were to happen where Drew Brees had to be cut, I think even they don't go fourteen and two with James oh, Jameis oh, Winston. We go, here, we go, and here we go. Here we go. Hill, here we go. They don't go fourteen and two, but even with Jameis Winston, who's a huge step back, um, they're a playoff team.
1: I I, I do want to say that Joey believes Jameis Winston is a top 20 quarterback in the NFL. I do. I do. That I like that take. That's a fun take to me because he could be. I firmly believe that. it's a joke that you just picked the leader in the NFL in interceptions as your top 20 And yards. And yards. But I want you to take a look, and you've already seen it, but I want you to take a look at the Bucks' offensive roster. Replaced a guy that led the league in interceptions and brought in the GOAT. Like the GOAT Tom Brady. So that's a good start. Uh, you take a disappointing tight end in O.J. Howard, disappointing season last year, and you replace him with Rob Gronkowski. What are we going to get from him? Who really knows? But it'll be top 10 at the very least. Uh, you, Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. You give me that. On. look. Come on. Come on. Come on. He hasn't played in four years. He's a Hall of Famer. OK, he hasn't played in four he's years. He's a Hall of Famer. What do we
0: what do we talk about yesterday over and over and over again? Two years is an eternity in football. You're right, time. but not for Hall So what of is Famers. four years?
1: I trust the guy and he's with Brady. You give them Bruce Arians as coach, who, I mean, last year led a pretty bad team to a seven and nine record in a tougher division than it is this year. Uh but you also have on the outsides, look at their weapons, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Though that might be the best one-two receiving combo in the league. And if it's not, it's top three. It's
0: number one. <laughs> You're not gonna get any argument. Like I have them at twelve and four. I I just the Saints do not have a hole. The Bucks have some holes. The offensive line. Is banking on some rookies, it's banking on some veterans who need to be better than they were
1: last year. Um and I mean one team is moving from seven and nine into this season and the other team moving from thirteen and three. So yes, it's gonna be an easier road for the Saints, but I love this race at the top. I think it's really interesting. I think it's gonna be fun. Yeah, and a lot of you fun. know,
0: it's interesting. We did our close out of rapid fire takes. A couple weeks ago and you had tom brady winning mvp i do and i had breeze winning mvp and i wish i could take that back because that was before <laughs> he decided i guess he didn't decide he was a racist it was before it came out that he was a racist but um and it, you know it, it's funny drew breeze not a quality guy still a great quarterback so it's gonna be a fun race at the top of the nfc south so let's move over to the afc south and as good and loaded as those two teams are I think they would both go sixteen and zero if they played in the AFC South. <laughs> it's going to be bad,
1: <laughs> which is why, for that exact reason, this is why I have the Titans going twelve and four. This is never a team I would pick to go twelve and four, except for the fact that I don't think they're even going to be contested to go six and zero in their division. I don't think they'll lose a game, and I don't think any of them will be within a touchdown. I I, I don't see any team being competitive to them, competitive to them at all. So
0: I, I want to go team by team here because I think there are some misconceptions out there. That's the word I'm going to use. But every one of these four teams. <laughs> yeah. So let's start with the Titans. I have them at 10 and 6. Um, they win the division handily. Um, I don't think they're as good as people think they are because it took the best year of Ryan Tannehill's career and the best year of Derrick Henry's year career at the same time to save them last year. Um, if they don't get the best from either one of them, They're going to take a step back.
1: You've got to give give one thing credit. And I know it's really obvious to point this out, but their defense. Their defense deserves a a lot of credit. And the reason that it could happen again with Tannehill and Henry is that their defense takes charge of the game. Like, Tannehill is only game manager at this point. He hardly throws the ball. He had a playoff game with under 90 yards. And fun fact about the Titans, I
0: should have put them at 9 and 7. Because they've been nine and seven four years in a row. So that's <laughs> without Jeff Fisher. They, right. And they used to be eight and eight with Jeff Fisher. Now they're nine and seven. Um the Texans, the Texans are interesting because I have them at seven and nine, and they made maybe the worst trade ever in the offseason. Um, but you know, it's funny, they still have Deshaun Watson. They added a good receiving back in David Johnson, and they did add Brandon Cooks, who's not anything close to DeAndre Hopkins. On the outside. So I don't think they're going to be quite as bad. Like, people are acting like they're going to go like 5 and 11. They're not going to be 5 and 11. Um, You still got them under 500, though. 7 and 9, they'll hover around 500 the whole year. Um, And if the Titans struggle, there's a scenario where they win the division at 8 and 8.
1: I, I can see Deshaun Watson leading this team he's as best him. he can, but like there, there's not much else here, in my opinion. Who's your number one wide receiver? It's now Brandon Cooks, who last year had 42 receptions for 583 yards with the Rams. I, I mean, yes, he's had before that he had four seasons in a row with over a thousand yards, but last year watching him was not pretty the whole year. Then it comes out in the end of the year he's injured, but like the whole year, not a great year. Then your second now wide receiver option is Will Fuller. Who had two good games last year, and aside from that, is not a viable second receiver candidate. You're now you're putting a lot of pressure on David Johnson, who has not been the David Johnson we know in the fantasy world since 2016.
0: Yeah, you know, I don't get the trading of DeAndre Hopkins. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and we'll talk more about him because he is exceptional. Um, we'll talk about him once we get to the West. But um, I just think uh, Deshaun Watson is so so good and that defense is still very very good as well that they could find their way to 500 and as bad as this division is there's a chance 500 wins it that's my only point there but i want to move on to the colts and why are people excited about philip rivers C- can someone explain that to me
1: i, ha- he's I have them a at- hall of famer that's i have, have the them- only reason
0: i have them at 4 and 12 and he was a french hall of famer 5 years ago um you know what he did last year? And he did this with arguably, you know, we'll put Evans and Godwin as one, maybe the second best receiver combo in the league, plus Hunter Henry, plus Melvin Gordon, plus Austin Eckler, who, as we were looking up earlier, led the uh, led running backs in touchdowns, had almost double everyone else. He had eight touchdowns out of the backfield last year. Um, and he had a completion percentage of 66, nothing special, 23 touchdowns and 20 picks with that team, with that team. So then you go and you put him on the Colts. And for whatever reason, everyone gets excited. But you know who the Colts are trotting out there? Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack is worse than Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon. T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton is worse than Keenan Allen. Michael Pittman Jr. Michael Pittman Jr. is worse than Mike Williams. I mean, Jack Doyle is worse than Hunter Henry. Like, the offensive line is arguably worse. I, like, it's, it's amazing to me that people think he's going to be good um, when he wasn't. And he, frankly... Last year, he was worse than Jacoby Brissett was with this team. So I don't get it. I don't get why people get excited about that. Maybe you can explain it. it.
1: Here's the one thing, and I'm really reaching here. You know I'm reaching because I'm going to point to Jack Doyle as the reason this might make sense. This is hilarious. Here's why. Because Hunter Henry did miss half of last season. And Phillip Rivers, throughout his career, has had a clear Hall of Fame tight end on his team in Antonio Gates. Philip Rivers obviously loves tight end. I mean, from just that, you can prove. He loves tight ends. Jack Doyle is one of and this is a stretch still because 2 years ago in 2018 he only played 6 games. But in 2016, 17 and 19, he almost played every single game in each season. Last year he did play every single game in the season. He hasn't put up terrible stats. Like he's he's like a viable bench tight end on a fantasy team. So like that you know he's not awful. Again, I'm really reaching here, but maybe all he needs is a reliable tight end that's in the fold the entire season, and that that might help. I can't even believe I just said that though. And like this is this is a this is an old Philip Rivers. He's washed up. I'm sorry. This team won't do much. I, I got him five and eleven. Like I'm with you on this one. But if there's anything that makes sense, could it be Jack Doyle? Like, really, could it? I mean, you're
0: a Ty Hilton injury away from having Rivers going from Allen and Williams to Michael Pittman and Zach Pascal that ain't it i I, I don't get it this is a band-aid for them and i think they're gonna find that out this year um and finally the jaguars and you know what the crazy thing about the jags is do you remember when they made the afc championship game with blake bortles like three
1: years ago i i thought he was gonna be like the goat (laughs) i loved blake they just continue (laughs) to
0: get worse Mm -hmm. and then they don't do anything to stop themselves from getting worse Mm -hmm. so I, i i have them at three and 13 me too I fear that three and thirteen is putting too high expectations. I on do them. too. So, I do too.
1: Here's it, I mean, part of their problem is they don't have any fans. They're always facing the blackout rule like every single game of each season. Their only fans this year might be Barstool Sports. Shout out to Barstool. Because Gardner Minshew. But like other I, I, than I that, love
0: Gardner Minshew. How <laughs> do you not love Gardner Minshew?
1: Other than Gardner Minshew, there's no viable reason to watch this team play. They're gonna be awful.
0: Tom Brady and Drew Brees are the
1: second and third oldest quarterbacks to start in the postseason. Only George Bland at age 43 was older, but he wasn't a piece of shit.
0: (laughs) So now let's close out our first ever trivia question on the fallout. We'll remind you what that question was. I asked Drew, how many coaches in the history of the NFL have multiple Super Bowl wins? And we came up with that question because Drew, two episodes in a row, has said that somebody, quote, only has one Super Bowl win, which is a joke. Um, and you're about to see why. So,
1: all right. I, I again, I can start with the obvious ones to me. It's, it's Belichick. Uh, I, I said Mike Tomlin. Does Mike Tomlin have two? He
0: only has one. He wasn't he was there for the first uh Super Bowl win of Roethlisberger's career in 05.
1: Not helping my case. Okay. I know there's Shula, I know there's Lombardi. Um, uh, Jimmy Johnson, I think yeah, yeah Jimmy Johnson. Twice on there. With the Cowboys. Yeah. Um Who's the who coached the Niners? I gotta uh, know that one. Yeah,
0: there are a couple Niners coaches on here. Bill Walsh won three times. Um, yeah, as well as okay. George Seifert twice.
1: I wouldn't have gotten that. No, yeah, okay. I don't think you would have gotten either of them. I nope. don't know if I would have either.
0: So, <laughs> but uh you are forgetting some obvious ones and one that John John Madden? For, not no John Madden, but one that frustrates me. How do you forget Tom Coughlin? No. <laughs> How do you forget Tom Coughlin? We just
1: talked about the Jaguars too.
0: And <laughs> we can, we can add Tom Coughlin's I guess mentor uh, as well, Bill Parcells.
1: Oh come on! There's another one. Yeah. Okay. Those are bad. I'll take that.
0: Tom Landry's another notable name. You forgot. Yeah. Uh, Joe Gibbs. Oh, dude, we live in D.C. I know. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Do you want the final number? This
1: is an L for Drew. Not a yeah, good. You didn't do that great. So you trivia. guessed
0: six early on, which is interesting see, because see, there
1: are more than I thought, which means it is embarrassing when you only have one ring. McCarthy, it, yeah, at so McCarthy, it's, it's, at Peyton. It's
0: interesting you guessed six, but 13 is the answer. Woo. But 13 is such a small number when you consider how many people have coached in the history of the NFL. Woo. And so to say that someone, quote, only has one Super Bowl ring oh, okay. is a joke.
1: 13 out of 54 Super Bowls? I mean, that means they won at least 26 of those Super Bowls. We know more. So there actually aren't that many left for, Coach. Wait, I'm proving your point. Yes, you are. Uh, we're deleting that. I'm not keeping that. <laughs> <laughs> McCarthy sucks, all right? (laughs) McCarthy's the worst coach in the NFL. McCarthy sucks. Peyton sucks. No, they all suck. (laughs) Yeah,
0: you you really redeemed yourself there. Um, Point proven. That's it. Excited for your trivia question for me next week.
1: I'm going to make it harder. Now I'm
0: angry. (laughs) (laughs) So that's all for this week, guys. Thanks for tuning in. We have another action-packed episode coming for you guys next week where we'll continue our discussion of the NFL divisions, have some talk about the NBA and its bubble, (laughs)
2: <laughs> and yeah,
0: some, some fun ones there. Um, and another great standout guest. And Drew will have his first trivia question for me as well. Any, any hints on what that might be?
1: Well, here's an interesting one. I might ask you when the last time a major league sport in the U.S. played in a bubble.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to that. <laughs> it would be never. But <laughs> uh, Whatever
1: the question is, I'll make it hard. I'm angry.
0: I look forward to it.
1: You've been listening to The Fallout. Thanks for tuning in.